Thanks so much for listening to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors on staff at the Ridge, and our vision is to bring the hope of Jesus into every home. So as a piece of that, our goal each week is to bring you something that's hopeful and helpful. So subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Ridge Community Church Podcast. If you find today's episode hopeful and helpful, then please follow or subscribe and then rate and review so that more people can find the conversation. Today, I get to share with you a conversation that I had with Jeff Peterson. Jeff leads a life recovery group at the Ridge, as well as working for Waukesha Comprehensive Treatment Center, which helps people in recovery for addiction. Jeff brings some really good insight into the ways that recovery work can really be helpful for anyone. We talk about the serenity prayer, what the work of recovery really is, and the importance of working through things before they lead us to things like addiction. This is my conversation with Jeff. Well, hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Chris, would you mind just sharing maybe a little bit about how you got connected with The Ridge and uh, how long you've been coming? Sure. Um, I was previously attending a larger church. Um, Wasn't feeling that church home feeling, wasn't feeling that part of the collective, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Was looking for something different to try something different. Uh, Literally just drove by the ridge and said, hey, let's give it a try. (laughs) Um, That was five-ish years ago. Uh, Since then, um, been coming. And I I think at that point, too, I wanted to make sure myself, you know, as we look at things, was it me that was the problem or was it the church environment that the problem? Mm -hmm. So I think coming into the ridge not only gave me the opportunity to dig in with my spiritual walk with Jesus, but yeah. where I was to really dig in. And part of that digging in, I got involved in the church with uh, the uh, tech department and running cameras, got involved in, you know, some meetings and things that the church and currently running life recovery um, because I felt that it's easy to blame others and not take mm-hmm. that responsibility. So I wanted to make sure I was getting the most out of the, the experience. Yeah. I, I love that mentality. And it sounds like part of that too, is that it wasn't just necessarily, Hey, what can this church do for me, but how can I be a part and, and contribute and help others grow as well? I love that mentality. Yeah. It's, you know, it is a, you have to give as much as you're looking to take. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, the church is a, a home, I think, I believe. Yeah. And I believe, you know, I, I felt very accepted at the Ridge and felt, you know, easily slid right in. But then it also gave me the opportunity to kind of dig in a little deeper about me and who I was and what my spiritual walk with Jesus really was about. And through this process, grown a lot closer in that walk through the help and assistance of the Ridge family. Yeah, love that. You mentioned that you are now part of this life recovery. Um, are you are leading that? Like what is, and for those that aren't sure, what is, what is life recovery? <laughs> yeah, life recovery is basically a 12-step faith-based program. Uh, Currently the leader of that program uh, with the Ridge and it is for really anybody that's struggling, you know, know, it it gears towards addiction, but really the core of addiction is mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it really attacks a lot of the mental health issues as well as addiction. Anybody is welcome to join. Um, 
but it's basically a faith-based 12-step program uh, for people to come to a safe environment to explore who is Jesus, because it's, you, you know, that's part of the process too, is connecting your faith in Jesus with your recovery, mm. um, as well as what does this recovery look like? What does this mean? Yeah. And now you also work and help people with recovery for your, for your job. Is that right? Uh, correct. I am the clinic director at the Waukesha Comprehensive Treatment Center. Uh, there we uh, provide medication. We provide counseling. We have doctors on staff, nursing on staff. That's where the comprehensive part comes in. It's not just give some people some medication and send them on their way because they'll get better. It's let's help them with some medication, but then help them kind of unpack those trauma issues through counseling and group therapy, and then monitoring their treatment through the course uh, of their recovery road. Yeah. It's kind of like this holistic approach, not just like quick band-aid, but really holistically seeing how you can help. All right. Cause the recovery is long-term and you know, when we start talking about some of the recovery issues and addiction issues, primarily, I always like to say the addiction, we always kind of correlate that with pills, bottles, and needles. Well, addiction really comes in a lots of forms. It comes in forms of gambling, pornographic addiction, uh, pills, bottles, and needles as well. But those things aren't the core problem. Those are the solution to Band-Aid. Like you said, what are the core problems? And that is a lot of times it's trauma through life mental health concerns through life that aren't being addressed properly. And then you're turning to these addictions and you're turning to these to band-aid that problem temporarily. And you're not really addressing those issues. And that's how you address those issues is through counseling, professional help. You know, sometimes medication is necessary. Um, group therapy to know that you're not alone, that other people have gotten to the other side as well as are struggling like you. Yeah. There's a lot of, that I think really paints a picture that's much bigger than I think many people may have a misconception about an addiction or trying to recover through or trying to, as they struggle through something that it's not the issue necessarily just the issue itself, but there's such a, there's so much more to it. And those, and you may not be struggling with an addiction right now, but you, there's a good chance you're struggling with some of these other things that are core issues that if you don't take care of, I mean, they may lead to an addiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, and kind of tongue in cheek in a way, I always say, if you don't understand addiction, good, I'm glad you've been blessed to never been affected by it. Because if you do understand it, you've probably have been affected either personally or through a family member, because in the struggles of addiction, we have a rippling effect of not only what we do to ourselves, but what we do to our families, our loved ones that are affected. And, um, as we go down that recovery road, there's not only ourselves that has to heal, um, others in our lives have to heal as well. Hmm. So as a, so as a church, we've been recently talking about some of that, that something that's like really common in that road to recovery, which is the serenity prayer. Um, I'm curious, uh, um, well, first off, how familiar are you? How, how, how much have you talked about or you used the serenity prayer? Um, yeah. Uh, the serenity prayer would be what we call the tradition of any 12-step program for the most part, um, secular 12-step program or a faith-based church 12-step recovery program. The serenity prayer is used. I think, you know, that 
for me, when I explain part of my recovery process, and I think it is vital for anybody's recovery process, is this kind of 10,000 piece puzzle you're putting back together. Hmm. And religion is a vital key part of that. Your walk with Jesus is a very key part of that. And that serenity prayer kind of connects that for those people that maybe aren't, you know, followers of Jesus. And that helps them kind of open that door. But the serenity prayer in itself, it does give this calming, peaceful feeling as you're saying it. It it also reminds us that, you know, we are struggling. We can't do this on our own. We need the help of somebody more powerful than us. And it it is really a staple. I, anytime I do it as a staple, a a tradition I hold on to that is very important that we all say that at the end of our meeting before we go. Um, Mm -hmm. And you'll find that it is mostly a traditional thing for all the meetings. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I I should have done this beginning, bad podcast host right here. (laughs) Um, But so the serenity prayer is God, or at least one version of it. Give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Is that? That is the base um, of what the serenity prayer says. Uh, there's more words to it, but that, that is kind of the base. You know, you're saying that I, I need help with something that's, you know, a bigger than I can handle on my own. Yeah. And that's where I personally believe. And I'll tell anybody that God is a vital part and that walk with Jesus is a vital part of the recovery process. But where I think some people get misdirected is they feel, okay, now I've said this for any prayer. I've admitted there's Jesus and I've accepted him as part of this thing. And then they sit back and they wait for life to change. Hmm. I, I kind of say it in a, in a, again, maybe funny way, but I believe it's true <laughs> is I say plant potatoes, pray for rain, but then you got to get a hole and get to work. Yeah. You, you know, we are humans and God is there to walk beside us and next to us and help us and guide us through. But we still have to do some of that heavy lifting. We have to do the hard work of uh, growing closer to God, growing closer to Jesus. We have to do that hard work of unpacking those emotional traumas that mm-hmm. have got us where we are. Um, so it's not this thing of, I accept Jesus and he's going to help me through this. Now I'm going to sit back and wait for it to all change. Yeah. Right. So I I'm curious. So, cause I think that, I mean, the, the, the concept, the heart, the heartbeat behind the serenity prayer, right. Is this idea that I, I can't control everything. There are things that I can't change and I need God's help to do some of that stuff. Um, cause I can't do it by myself. Right. Correct. Uh, that's a principle that's not just for recovery. Right. I think that is a life general principle. What do you, what do you think somebody who's not necessarily in recovery that they can apply from this prayer? Well, I think even if you take a look at the 12 steps where these programs are based off of, they are good life lessons. They're good things for anybody to do, whether or you're in a recovery program or not. Um, some of those things are just like you said in the prayer, it, there's things that I can't control. Things are going to happen within my life that are out of my ability to control, but I have to learn to accept those things. And I can't let those things, you know, put me off what what my goal is, what my end goal is. And whether that's, you know, getting closer with a walk with Jesus, whether that's, 
getting down that path of recovery farther or just getting through sometimes regular old life struggles that we all go through yeah. and, and understanding that there's things you can't control, but God will always be there. Jesus will always be there with you to help walk you through this process if you lean into him. Um, and like I said, sometimes doing the heavy work and heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to that concept of, of work because I, uh, uh, I'm really curious about something with it, but, but you mentioned that there's like so the 12 steps, right? Um, could you maybe share a couple that you think, man, if somebody just applies this step in their life, that would just be so helpful. Or you, maybe you see a ton of growth in someone when they're going through recovery, um, and they apply one of those 12 steps. So we can, you know, the kind of tying back into what we're talking about, you know, things that we can't control is that, you know, the first step is we were powerless over our problems and that our lives have become unmanageable. That, you know, definitely ties into somebody through the recovery process or somebody who's struggling with that. But we've all probably faced something in our life where we just felt powerless and that we weren't able to manage this chaos sometimes of life. But that ties straight into that second step where we came to believe that power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And that's where we have to tie in how our walk with Jesus looks like and how we're leaning into him because they all kind of lead into the next one. The next step is that we made a conscious decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God. And that's that vital piece where I talk about recovery in specific but really in life, when we go through these unmanageable moments, these chaos of our life, uh, that he's there for us if we lean into him and and turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. So I think those first three steps really could apply to a lot of different scenarios um, with that. Yeah, I mean, it, I just think about that. And I think like the holistic approach, right? Because it's not... I think it's easy. It's easy if me say you follow Jesus and you have this grand scheme can like idea that yes, you know, I've given my control of my life to God, right? But then there's all these little different areas of our lives where maybe we don't necessarily give him as much control as as we'd like to say we do. <laughs> right, right. Um and I think that this really is a, a centering thought where it's saying, you know what, there it's, and, and there are times when we're made more aware of how powerless we are, um, as, as not fun of an idea as that is, you know, uh, we like to have that control, but it's all, I think it's fake control, you know, in, in a lot of the other steps, you know, without going step by step through them, but they really delve into kind of those, some of the words that uses making a search, searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And I think that's hard for anybody to do is to get that brutally gut-wrenchingly honest about the situation of what's going on in our life, you know, because sometimes we are the problem and, you know, we have to make changes in our life and accept that sometimes it is us and we've got to get that searching, you know, leaning into Jesus for what is going on and how can I change or what do I need to change? or with the help of Jesus, we, we can change. <laughs> How does someone start doing that? How do they go through that process of, of being honest with themselves? 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's that, a huge question. You know, I, I think that for anybody is hard, you know, because, you know, and, and to tie kind of into that recovery mode more specifically, but really in general, is kind of admitting that sometimes it is us unpacking those emotions and you are kind of picking at some scabs of life that are painful. And I think it's a very slow process because you, you don't want to unpack it all at once and have to deal with it all at once. It's kind of, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time, <laughs> you know, yeah. depending on where you are in life, there might be a lot of emotional trauma that you can't unpack it all at once because it would be too much. Uh, mm. There might just be some things that you've wronged in your life that are going to open up some other doors of things that are emotionally unsettling, shall we, to use a, a, a yeah. not so strong word. And it's really a slow process. I think it's, you know, I always recommend professional therapy is vital, but more so, you know, finding what I call more like a, a prayer partner or somebody within the leader of a church. Because you have to do this through trusted people. You, you can't just pick a good friend or, you know, even sometimes a spouse because you're unpacking a lot of things that you want to know how to address them and how go, to go forward and using people that have not a, you know, they're not emotionally vested in the situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like if somebody's too close to the situation, they may not be able to speak into it in the most helpful way. Right. And, yeah. and you've got to surround yourself with those people. I think we all human nature search for validation for our choices yeah. and we want to seek out people that are going to validate us. And I, I think you've got to seek out people that are going to be honest with you and people that aren't going to be afraid to sometimes tell you rough news, <laughs> right. um, but, but also not look to just, you know, beat you up over the choices. It's, it's, there's this mentality that you have forever have to be punished for the sins of your past. I think that you, that's where that accepting and, and asking for forgiveness and working through that but you can't continue to punish yourself for those things. You have to work how to accept those with those religious leaders, sometimes professional help is needed as well. And, and getting that closer walk with Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up, man, there's so many good points in what you just said. I mean, just even taking it on the first step of, of being willing to take the step back and just analyze, say, Hey, what part of, this problem, if it's a specific thing or just your life in general and saying, Hey, what do I need to own up to? What is my responsibility and how can I process through that? That's a, that's a huge step. Cause it takes a ton of humility. It, it, absolutely. And I, a lot of, I like to use the word courage. It takes a lot of courage yeah. um, to really be able to do that process. And it takes a very strong person. So when somebody starts that process, you know, you've got to build them up as they're going through this process, because it is hard for any of us, you know, especially those in recovery, because we're, as we talked about early on, you know, that ripple effect of damage that we've done, not only to ourselves, but others. And down this path, we got to start deciding where we're going to make amends, who we're going to make amends to, or if we're going to make amends. Hmm. 
So I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier, uh, talking about the the work of recovery. And I, ha- I have a, there's a friend of mine, he talks about he's in recovery and um, he'll often say, oh, I got to do, I got to do some work on, I have to do some recovery work. Uh, and I'm curious if you could just unpack a little bit about what does that expression mean? What does it mean to do like recovery work or doing the work of recovery? And then maybe, because I know these are like life principles that are dealing with core issues. Like what could somebody maybe not an addiction, still learn from that process? Well, I think that would be that, you know, sitting back and being that gut-wrenchingly honest with yourself and Mm. then start unpacking some of those things that are going on either spiritually or mentally or physically. And it's going to be extremely uncomfortable um, as you do that for anybody. Um, and you have to be willing to be accountable to those things. You don't just automatically get a pass because, Hey, I've got a mental health disease that I'm working on, or, Hey, I was an addict. So you have to just give me a pass. You don't get a pass on those things, Mm -hmm. but you again, aren't held accountable for life for those things. You've got to work through them. You've got to move past them. But, you know, when we are emotionally, spiritually, uh, honest, that is sometimes can be painful. Um, uh, in the, the work of recovery, I think I always say, if you're comfortable in your recovery, you're probably doing it wrong because. <laughs> well, that's a happy thought. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because yeah. you can't always get comfortable. I mean, I have, I personally, I'm in recovery as well. I've got many years behind me, but I'm still on a daily basis learning more about who I am and what led me down that path, working on those things. Um, I'm working continually on what does that relationship with Jesus look like? Because that is something that's always fluid, I think, and we're always learning more about it. And that's where that kind of comfortableness, if you say, oh, I've got it, I'm good to go now, and you're never opening your mind to say, I don't know it all, I'm Mm -hmm. still learning, you get comfortable and then you can easily be knocked back to where you were. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't always have to be like, you know, that boogeyman under the bed, so to speak, that you're scared of every day. It gets easier as you go down that path and you start unpacking more of that emotional baggage. Mm -hmm. Um, But it should never get to a point where you don't think about it, at least on some level. Um, to keep on point of where your target goal is and learning about who you are. And I think we could all use, use those types of things. I, I, I talk about counseling a lot. Whether you have mental health or addiction concerns, I, I always say a checkup from the neck up is never a bad thing. You know, <laughs> we, we regularly go for checkups on other parts, you know, in our body. Regularly go to the doctor for you know stiffly sneezy th- type things, but how often do we ever go to kind of open up to a counselor or open up to some of that emotional baggage we carry? Uh, I think we all carry some level. Mm. To some people, it's such an extreme; it's debilitating. Yeah. To others, it's mild and maybe just an annoyance. <laughs> yeah. But I think to some level, we have that quote unquote stuff going on, that it's not a bad idea to lean into your spiritual leaders, lean into some of that professional help and unpack some of that stuff uh, to, you know, 
work through it. When you start working through that stuff, so uh, I think you've painted a really a really great picture of man, this just those things that we can work through when you're on the other side of that, or I guess it's a process, right? But as you're getting through that, what kind of changes do you typically see? I think you, I think people around you see it before you see it. Hmm. People see your attitudes changing. People see your, you know, your walk, your, how you are, you know, entering the, the, those relationships with people. They see you changing and they'll start seeing those changes and then they'll make comments to you and you'll start seeing them mm. and you'll start feeling them. But I think as you're going through what starts off as maybe a more painful process, you do start feeling better because you've unloaded that heavy weight that you've been carrying around. And again, you know, sometimes it's a mild heavy weight for people. Sometimes it's a debilitating weight that they're carrying around, but you, you feel that, Going back to that serenity prayer, you start feeling that peace. You start feeling that serenity. You start feeling your your progress towards that goal. And those types of things, you know, should be celebrated. And we see those type that those people, whoever they are, working and making progress towards their spiritual relationships or their personal relationships as they struggle through some of those challenges. I love that. I love this, the, the mental image of being able to like take that weight off and the peace that comes from it. And yeah, it's, there's that uncomfortability and hard, maybe thought process that it takes to go through that. But the other side is so much more, I don't want to say light, but cause that just seems too simple, but there's just so much more peace. Yes. It, it's, it's a more, it, it is really, it gets lighter and lighter as you go through life, you get more peace in with it what's going on. You have a clear head to think about things and how to respond and react and how to absorb information. Um, and as you go through, you're, you're finding more about yourself and you're learning about more who you are, but it's that work of recovery or even work as we work through our spiritual walk recovery or not, it's being open-minded and learning and forever that sponge wanting to learn more and not saying, I, I peaked, I got it all. I'm good to go now. <laughs> Nothing <arrived>. more. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, Jeff, thank you so much for, for sharing with me and, and talking about this stuff. I know that, uh, a lot of people go through when they go through recovery, they work on a lot of this stuff. And, and I think that it's useful skills for, for anybody to have and start to work through and practices because we're all, we all have stuff that we're dealing with in various different forms. And so, um, when somebody is taking the time to work through those things, we get a chance to look and say, Oh, I could do something similar. Uh, even if it hasn't reached that point. Um, so thanks for sharing. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Well, that was my conversation with Jeff. And I keep coming back to this principle of humility of having the courage to change and being willing to work on things before they reach a tipping point. It takes a lot of courage to be honest about where you're really at and then work through those things. But we're so much healthier when we're able to do that. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of The Ridge Podcast. Share this with a friend, give us a rate and review, and make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations.